Uh, I'm excited to come here. For those who don't know, my name is Brian Brown, one of the pastors here at First SF. I'm excited to bring God's word with us today and to share it with you. Um, it was very interesting. I'm going to have a, a, a bit of a, a morbid thought to start off this sermon, okay? <laughs> About, hang with me there. I'm not, not going to stay there. But I just wanted to, just to share that uh, little, little, little warning ahead of time. So I've always wondered what people were thinking like right before they, they die, right? Or if they knew that they were going to die, like what kind of thoughts are running through their mind? Um, what kind of things are they processing? How are they re- replaying their life or if they're replaying their life? It's kind of one of those things where uh, you can't really, you don't really know, right? Because, because uh, if you're in that moment, then more than likely you're not going to be able to share that moment, <laughs> your thoughts and experiences and everything that you're thinking about. But I did a little bit of minor research for people, medical professionals who work with people who are dying, just to kind of see what was on their thoughts, uh, what kind of was on their mind, what they're thinking and processing about. And um, actually, there's five big things, and those five big things are actually regrets, uh, things that they wish they would have done differently. Like, I wish I would have talked to that one person or communicated how I felt. You know, I wish I would have stayed in contact with friends. And there's a few others that are there, kind of like what people are thinking about. Uh, so then I was like, I wonder what maybe the, some of the last thoughts or the last things that people have said uh, right before they pass away. Uh, and so I looked up some of the famous people, you know, famous there's stuff online, like, oh, famous people, what they, the last things they said before the people knew that they passed away. Uh, like Elvis Presley, a couple of them is Elvis Presley, uh, before he passed away, he said, hey, I want to go to the bathroom and read, <laughs> which should have been a tip, like, hmm. Uh, not many people go to the bathroom and read. I mean, t- today we do, right? I know most of you are scrolling through your phones in the bathroom now, right? But, um, you know, like, it's not really what many people say before they do. Obviously, Elvis Presley had a drug addiction, and so we know what would happen there. And then also thought, thought about, uh, what's his name? Uh, Steve Jobs. Uh, one of his last words apparently was, oh, wow, oh, wow, oh, wow. So I kind of wonder what made him say that. And as I started thinking about all these different things, I find it very interesting that when we know our time is up, we have very pointed in the way that we communicate what we're thinking, what we're feeling, what's on our heart, what's on our mind. And here, as we look at this passage, we're looking at in John chapter 15. Um, this is the part where, uh, in John chapter 13, a little backstory. Um, this is where Jesus himself is, he washed the disciples' feet. They're having the Last Supper. And right before the sermon from, like, if you, if you look in your Bible from John 13, the John 17, if you have a red letter Bible, which means they're the words of Jesus, you're going to see a lot of red. And that lot of red there is right before Jesus is taken away to be tried and eventually die on the cross. Um, Jesus washed the disciples' feet, and Judas, he sends Judas on his way. He tells him to go and do what you are supposed to do. So this message John, in John 15 is right after Jesus tells Judas to go. Go get the soldiers and the people who are going to take me away. And then to the rest of the 11 disciples, he has this message he wants them to grasp and understand. These are essentially like his last big words, his last things on his heart and his mind before he knows their world's going to look drastically different. And I wanted to reflect upon these words because I feel these words are true for us today. They're very important for us today, right? The last words of Jesus. Thinking about we're coming in the Lent season, thinking about the cross, and thinking about all that God has done for us. I titled this sermon, Bear Fruit, because Jesus is going to call us to bear fruit here. So let's uh, open up God's word to John chapter 15, reading verses 1 through 5. And I'll read that together here. You can 
pull it up on your phone or have it up on the screen, um, or you can open it up in your Bible. It says, I am the true vine, and my father is the brine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this word. I thank you for your word. Uh, Encourage us through it. Um, Challenge us through it. And help us walk with you faithfully. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So for most of us, we probably have heard a message through these verses before, right? This is nothing new if you've been a Christian for a long time. Um, I know uh, you probably are like, oh, okay, I know exactly where Brian's going to go. I know exactly what Brian's going to do. I know exactly what Brian's going to say. And I encourage you to say, instead of just going there, just sit with these words. Let's try to read them with a fresh eyes, hear them with a fresh heart and a fresh mind as we look at it. So when I started reflecting upon what was the important things I want to talk about from this passage, um, I started thinking about how Jesus calls us to bear fruit. It says, Jesus desires us to bear spiritual fruit by remaining connected to him. Jesus desires us to bear spiritual fruit by remaining connected to him. That's what Jesus is trying to communicate here as he communicates to his disciples. And I thought about that. In order for that to happen, there's a, verse, a part there in the verse where it talks about Jesus will prune us. Um, it's like in order for that to happen, God needs to prune our lives. God needs to prune your life. Now, for those of you uh, like myself, uh, I, I, am, I don't have a green, green thumb at all. <laughs> um, Heather and I, in our house, like we have a lot of succulents because succulents don't take a lot of uh, work to keep the plants alive, right? You order it once every what, couple of weeks. I might be wrong on that. See, don't take my word for truth for that. Uh, that isn't gospel there. That's just me uh, not knowing <laughs> how to take care of plants. But here in the midst of that, Jesus says, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. So there's a process by which you, if a branch is, a vine is to grow a branch that bears fruit, then the, the vine dresser needs to take care of that branch, needs to make sure that branch has what it needs, enough sunlight, uh, enough support, enough, uh, um, uh, enough water, all those different types of things to help it grow. But as we know, branches and vines have branches that you know, don't really bear much fruit that don't really help us at all. Um, not every branch that is connected to a vine bears a ton of fruit. So Jesus is, uses that as an analogy to talk about, hey, you know, in this passage, I want to teach you here how there's going to be some things that you're going to prune, that I'm going to shape, that I'm going to make different in your life so that you can bear spiritual fruit. Um, I, uh, I hinted earlier in my prayer that Walter is in Israel and uh, I asked him to send me a picture of just like, you know, a, a vineyard, just to give me an idea. And he, I have a picture here. Uh, we can pull that up. Um, he sent it to me. This, he said this is the best one he can get. But that is a picture from Israel uh, a few days ago. Um, it doesn't look like that vineyard there is bearing much fruit. <laughs> it's, it's prepping for it. Um, but uh, I thought it was cool just to get an extra visual in your mind, maybe, of what the disciples or those who are, were in Jesus' uh, day, what they could possibly see and what it looks like. Uh, it looks me around you a lot of different places around the world. Um, but that is from Israel itself to help to get a word picture in your mind. So when I think about Jesus 
pruning our lives because he wants us to bear spiritual fruit. Uh, I have three things I think that we all wrestle with, and I wanted us just to talk about that as it relates to this passage. So like I said, in verse one, it says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And I started thinking about those words, and I thought about how Jesus talked about in him, in him, not like we have to be in relationship with Jesus in order to bear fruit. So in one way that God prunes us is he prunes our individualism. God prunes your individualism. I think about that at the first. Jesus says, I am the true vine. So Jesus says, I am the vine that you are the branch. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me does not bear fruit. Now, I think sometimes we like to fight against anything that has authority over us, right? I mean, think about when you look at, um, think about just our culture in general, right? Anytime that someone's in authority, we, we push against that and say, how come this authority figure is giving us these rules that we don't like, right? We don't like it, anyone to tell us what it is that we are to do. We don't like anyone to tell us how it is that we're supposed to live our lives. But this is exactly what Jesus is hinting at here and saying kind of explicitly to his disciples. He is saying that you need to be in me in order to bear much fruit. You need to be connected to me in order to bear much fruit. I think sometimes for us, like I said, that can be hard for us to hear. Um, For some of us in this room, Jesus might be one of the many people that we may follow in our lives. One of the many people that we may get advice from. Like, oh, Jesus said some good words. I'm encouraged by it. Uh, I'll add that to some some other faith system or add that to some other values that I believe. Um, I, I find it very inter- interesting, like a lot of times, uh, like when I'm looking at social media or scrolling through social media, all the different quotes that I'm like, yeah, this person just took scripture <laughs> um, out of context and made it to some, applied it to some cultural thing. And it's like, hey, here's truth. And it's like, well, you find that truth first in scripture. Uh, but I think so many times we look to many other things other than Jesus to get what we need to survive in lives. We look apart from him. We, we don't look to God first. We don't look to God as their ultimate authority. We want to go things our, our own way, live life the way that we want to live it and how we want to live it. And it's very interesting when I'm looking and thinking about Jesus here in the midst of John chapter 13, verse 17. He's saying a lot of hard truth to his disciples here. One of them is in John 14, 6, when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus was hinting here that you want to be connected to God the Father, you need to be connected to me. You need to be in me. You need to be in relationship with me. I think a lot of times um, when we think about being in relationship with God, we, we assume that we're okay, right? Uh, I know a lot of times I learned for myself in, for example, getting marriage counseling um, and things of that nature, like people would always remind me, hey, you need to continually date your wife, right? Like spend time with your wife. Like don't neglect your wife. Don't neglect the things that brought you guys together, um, just assuming that everything is okay, Uh, continue to communicate, continue to spend time with each other. And when I think about that for us, for this passage, that is exactly what we need to do with God in his word. We need to spend time with him. Jesus here was speaking to the 11 disciples who gave up everything to follow him. These people were committed. And I think he would speak the same message to us. We who call ourselves Christians, we who are following with Christ, he calls us to be committed. We need to be connected to him. If we're not connected to Jesus, we cannot bear fruit. 
So I thought about that, like how connected does God want us to be? And also, um, what does that look like for our daily lives? I started reflecting upon Luke chapter 9, verse 23, which says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself uh, daily, take up his cross and follow me. Think about that. If anyone would come after me, follow me, be in relationship with me, be connected to me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Many times we don't really want to take up our cross. That, that concept is so foreign to us. Take up our cross, like why would, but like, what does that even mean? What does that even look like? What does that mean to take up our cross and take that differently? Well, God here is really trying to shape us and prune us to see that daily you need to die to yourself. You need to die to your own will. You need to die to your own desires in order to follow God. You need to die to the things that you want to do in order to follow God um, <clears throat> and bear much fruit, as Jesus says. So if God's going to prune your life, he's going to prune our individualism, our ways that saying that we can accomplish things on our own, apart from any other authority figure that's above us. Jesus is saying, no, if you want to accomplish spiritual fruit, eternal fruit, you need to be connected to me. You need to be in me. You need to be in relationship with me. The second thing is, is that God prunes our character. God will prune your character. And usually this comes through some form of suffering, <laughs> which most of the time people who are going through suffering never really wanted to go through the suffering. So um, it's very tough sometimes when you go through a tough trial in your life. When I think about that trial or suffering that you're going through, sometimes your trial can be long. Uh, sometimes it can be really short, just a short season that you're going through. Sometimes it can be very emotional, right? Because something that you're wrestling with, with your emotions and how to wrap your mind around truth. Sometimes it can be physical, something that you're physically going through, something that you physically have, are dealing with. Um, sometimes it can be mental, all within your mind. Uh, it can be circumstantial. And as we all know, many different trials that we have in our lives vary in degree of difficulty. Sometimes they're easy trials to get through, something that might be around for a short season. But sometimes there are hard things that you're like, God, when will you continually show up? Are you there? Do you hear me? Are you, are, do you, am I, are you real? And I think a lot of times when we are going through a trial, we tend to, tend to ask a lot of questions. We tend to think about a lot of things in a ways that maybe we hadn't before. Maybe some doubt comes to our mind. Some doubt comes into our heart. And we start to ask God, show up, reveal to me that you are real. I say that because in verse three, he says, Jesus says, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. When he's talking about being clean, he's talking about your character and how God views you in the light of your sin, right? Jesus died on the cross for us. Um, Jesus died in our place. And that's an amazing thing. We deserve punishment. We deserve judgment. But Jesus himself sacrificed his life for us. That is an amazing thing. And because of that, we are clean. But as many of you already know, uh, just because we're clean or viewed as clean in God's eyes doesn't mean that you yourself do not sin. <laughs> I like to call this concept already, not yet, right? We're already clean before God's eyes, but not yet because we still sin daily. How awesome would it be if um, after we've placed our faith in Jesus, we trusted him, we repented of our sin, we confessed to him that automatically everything we would do would be perfect, right? We would never sin again. <laughs> that would be amazing. But that is not truth. And that is not reality. <laughs> we all wrestle with different things in our lives. 
Sometimes, uh, as I mentioned, some of the emotional, physical things, I want to explain it just a little bit more. Sometimes we'll go through maybe a fiery trial where we might have intense encounters with struggles or bursts of anger or grief or lust, a fiery trial. Maybe it's an infirmity, uh, you know, physical limitations or illnesses that we may be going through. They're like, God, what's going on with me? Uh, maybe we'll call reproaches, might get ridiculed or rejected on account because of our faith or the ways that we are striving to be holy. Uh, maybe we'll face persecution, uh, maybe harassment or oppression due to our religious convictions, due to our convictions, many people make fun of you. I remember when I first became a believer, um, I uh, wrestled with what, is it, what was it like to actually walk with Christ? There's times where uh, I myself would um, you know, like go to church and be like, hey, it's awesome, it's great. And then like throughout the week, my heart and my mind wasn't focused on Christ. So I lived by my own will and my own volition that was contrary to God's word. And a lot of times uh, when I would try to take a stand in front of my friends, uh, I get made fun of and get ridiculed. And uh, it got to the point even so much so that just my presence in a room, people would start talking about, oh, faith and Christianity and all these different things that I could take as persecution. But I knew this is what God wanted called me to do. God was calling me to share my faith with people. God was calling me to be a light in the midst of my friends. And I knew that God was shaping me through that time of persecution that I was going through. Maybe you're wrestling with your necessities, the wear and care of the daily responsibilities of life, the different things that you may need. Some of you just have needs in this room that are just very basic. You might not know where your next meal is coming from. You might not know if today is going to be a good day or a bad day based off circumstances going in your life. Some of you might have disappointments or deep hurts. I think that is something that can really drive us. If we have big disappointments going on in our heart and we're like, God, I was faithful to you. Uh, I asked you to show up and you didn't reveal yourself to me. I think about that for me when I was in Denver. I had, that, I had that personal struggle where I worked with a church plant and the church plant ended up closing. And I remember after that time, uh, I had really deep doubts with God. I was like, God, what is going on? Like, I'm faithful to you. Um, I'm stepping out in faith. I'm doing something that is out of my comfort zone. Things did not go my way and I got very upset and I had disappointments and I had to really wrestle with God with that. And when I think about that for all of us in our lives, um, a couple of things. One, I've started to realize the older I get, how sinful I really am, <laughs> right? Um, for those of you who've lived a life and you're honest with yourself, you realize that the more and more you walk with Christ, the more and more you need him day in and day out. And then the other part of that is it seems like the struggles that we go through continually come back up over and over and over again in our lives. Like the same struggles. Not talking about different ones, the same exact ones. Like I remember in uh, college, I shared this uh, with our young professional group. Um, there was a time where I had about $60 in my bank account and I, was, I wanted to give faithfully to God. I wanted to give uh, money and serve like through like, with tithe and offering. And uh, at this particular point, um, I was like, you know what, God, I don't have a job. I have like $60 in my bank account. And so, uh, yeah, I, I, I think I'm just going to give $40, <laughs> you know, two-thirds of the money I had um, into the offering. I'm just going to trust you with it. So I did that, and I was in college at that time, lived about 30 minutes from my parents' house. So when you're poor and you have no money and you live near your parents' house, as a college student, what do you do? 
you go home and you eat with your parents. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, mom, dad, can I have a meal? Can I, have, can I do laundry? Um, can, can I take the leftovers with me? You know, all that kind of good stuff. And I did all that kind of things in my life and at that time. And I remember on my way home, to college, uh, driving, I, I had a full tank of gas. That was, that was good. Um, a friend of mine texted me and said, hey, can you just stop over real quick and hang out? And we were hanging out, the group of people, and a friend, that same friend was like, hey, my dad is actually looking for someone to work limited hours. Um, if you wanted to know if you would be able to fill that position for him. And I said, yes, <laughs> that is a huge answer to prayer. Um, so I had that in the season of my life. So you figure, I'm, oh, I'm good with money, right? So then the next season comes up, and I, in Denver, we're poor, and uh, I had very little money there. And I'm like, God, I'm good with money. Like, like why are you trying to test me on this again? <laughs> um, so God continually brought me to that. Like, don't trust in money, trust in me. Uh, and he provided for us for that season. And continually, over and over and over again, I'm like, God, I don't trust money more than you. Why do you keep bringing this back up in my life? And some of you might be at that point where you're wrestling with something. You're like, what is this sin in my life that keeps coming back up? Something that's related to my character that God keeps continually putting in front of my face. Like, God, I got it. I've been through it, right? <laughs> like, I feel that's, uh, we react sometimes like how uh, this, the, my kids act in the season of life that they're in, uh, you know, being four and two. They're like, Dad, you already told me to do this. And I'm like, yes, but you're, you're not doing what I asked you to do, right? <laughs> you need to do it differently. I think sometimes God speaks to us in that way. Sometimes God continually brings things up in our life so that we can be more and more connected to him. He's refining our character. He's shaping us to bear much fruit. He is shaping us to be more connected to him. It reminds me of Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 through 23. It says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. How amazing is it that when we are bearing fruit, this is what fruit looks like. And I look at all those things, I'm like, these are all character issues. That the circumstances may change, the trials in our life may change, the different things that God is using to shape us may change, but ultimately, the fruit will look the same. I love how when it talks about the, the fruit of the Spirit, it, 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 just, it doesn't name different things that we have to do. It names, names different uh, characteristics that flow out of us when we're living by the Spirit. That means that the different circumstances can look different in our life, but God's still continually going to ask us to be, uh, shape our character in this way. God is going to prune our individualism. God is going to prune our character. And lastly, God is going to prune our need to control. When I look at that in verse 4 of this passage, it says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, clearly here, Jesus isn't meaning that you can't do anything, right? Like, you can get dressed on your own apart from the Spirit, right? You can go and, and learn things apart from the Spirit. But what he's talking about here are things that are eternal. If you want to bear eternal fruit, if you want to produce eternal fruit, then you need to be connected to Jesus. 
I think a lot of times we can do a lot of good things in our own name, under our own power, and see some, what we would would say is fruit, but really it's not the eternal fruit. It doesn't last. It's not things that are going to be here past whenever we are going to be here. Sometimes you put so much effort and energy into things that don't bear eternal fruit when God is calling us to be connected to him to bear an eternal fruit. I think that, that also can be something that I think that um, we really want to control a lot of situations, right? I think about this situation, and I think about what Jesus is talking about here. He's talking about when you live by the Spirit, um, it's not just like you're doing things by your own power and your own volition, but you're allowing the Spirit to work and move in you. You're allowing God's spirit to work and move in your own heart. Allowing God's spirit to lead you where he wants you to lead you. I think a lot of times that can be hard for us. (laughs) Like we like to be in charge. We like to be in control. We like to tell God, uh, this is how I want to do things. And this is how I like my life to go. We might not put it that way, but sometimes we actually do think that way and desire to live that way. I started thinking about what that could mean for all of us, and I started being reflective upon my own life. Um, I, as a lot of you know, last year I was wrestling with, well, what is God going to do in my life? Like, God, what are you doing in my heart? Where are you leading me? What are the next steps for me and, and my life and all that thing? And so as uh, I shared that with the church, shared you to pray for me, I felt like I was stepping into a dark room, don't really know what's next, but like God's doing something with my heart, God's doing something in my mind, God's shaping me more into his image. And I was just really going through a tough season last year, uh, wrestling with uh, like who God wanted me to be, who God was calling me to be, and what were the next steps for my life. And then uh, we had the, uh, the, the news that all of us uh, know about, and uh, most of us know about, that Ryan and Mike were leaving. Um, and I remember when they were first shared that in a staff meeting to all of us, it was very interesting that that week before, that week prior to when um, they announced that they were going to go, um, I, I had like a couple big job interviews, and I thought something was going to work out, and nothing ended up working out. And the day before they shared, I was really in a, in a tough place. I was like, God, like, where are you? Like, I felt like I'm stepping out in faith and walking with you, but you're not really revealing yourself to me in a way that, you know, makes sense to me. Nothing is, is going right. So after they shared, I remember we were in the staff meeting and um, there's a lot of emotion in the staff meeting. And I remember sitting there and the emotion I had was, was like, God put like just a finger on my heart or maybe, maybe even a hand on my chest, like, you're not going. <laughs> You're staying here. <laughs> um, you think you're going to do X, but actually you're going to be right here. And I remember my initial emotions were like, what? <laughs> right? <laughs> like, I was like, are, are, you, are you sure? You know, like, uh, I had all these different thoughts running through my mind. I was like, it's like, you know, it's, I, I told some of you, it's like, get to the spot where you're like, okay, there's going to be something new on the horizon. There's going to be something new on the horizon. There's going to be something new. And you get there and it's like, bam, it's the same thing. <laughs> and I'm like, oh man, like what, what's going on? And I felt like as I reflect upon the season I was going through last year that led me all the way to the point to here now, God was working on my heart for this season. Uh, God had no plans of moving me on. God was preparing me for now. And if I would have neglected all the ways that he was disciplining me, all the ways that he was shaping me, all the ways that he was molding me, all the ways that he was 
break around my character, all the way he was asking me to grow and not stay the same, all the ways he was asking me to be even more connected with him, I would not be prepared for this season. I would not be able to stand up here and to preach confidently that God is still moving in our church. I would not be able to stand up here and lead well. I would not be able to speak into a lot of your lives. Um, I, I, I feel so... Um, overwhelmed with grace that I get the opportunity to speak into a lot of your lives. I get the opportunity to pray with you when I know things are not going good. Opportunity to pray with you when things are going good. Opportunity to wrestle with truth with you. Opportunity to um, pray with you and just be with you. I think about all the good things that God has given me and I'm like, God was preparing me for this and it doesn't matter what's going to come next. Like, I just need to trust and obey him right now. Because the amazing thing for all of us is we get to this point where we want to control everything. I wanted to control the narrative. I wanted to control what it is I was going to be doing. And I ultimately just need to get to a place and be like, all right, God, I trust you. You're in control. I go where you go. I go where you lead. Lord, you lead me. Help shape me, mold me. And uh, it's very humbling, (laughs) is it not? When you go through a season where you're like, whew, like... God, when are you going to show up? When are you going to do all the things I asked you to do? (laughs) Uh, Because I'm in control. But really, God's working on us. He's working on our own hearts. See, the reason why I think that God wants us to remain connected to him and bear much fruit is that when we do that, we live a life of obedience. And that life of obedience is a better life than we can make up on our own. It's a better life than we can control and make up on our own. A lot of times we think we know what's best, but there's always a loving father who knows so much more than us. It's so much better than what we're going through and what we're wrestling with with him. So I want to encourage you guys and ask you guys this question. Um, What is God pruning in you right now? What is he pruning in you right now so you can bear much fruit? What are you wrestling with? What keeps coming up over and over and over and over again? Maybe it's the fact that you might not be in relationship with him. Maybe you you don't believe that Jesus is your Lord. You haven't repented of your sin. You haven't asked for forgiveness. You haven't received God's grace. It keeps coming up over and over again. Maybe some of you are wrestling with, should I get baptized? (laughs) Should I take that step of obedience to get baptized? Um, I encourage you to, to wrestle with that and continue to walk forward with it. Uh, maybe God is, is pruning your character in a way where he's asking you to step out in faith, step out of your comfort zone, asking you to go somewhere that's very uncomfortable for you to go, where you ultimately have to trust him. I don't know what God is asking you or what God is pruning in you right now, but he's doing something. When I look at these passages, when I look at this verse, Jesus here is saying that he is the true vine, that we need to remain connected with him. And then in, in verses 6 through 8 at the end there, just kind of the last part that you can read later. But um, Jesus was talking about if you don't abide in me, the branches will be thrown away. Like they won't be connected to me. Where you, bear, where you won't bear much fruit. And I think about the time when in, um, in the, where the passage where Jesus is walking by a branch that should be bearing fruit and it doesn't. And he curses that tree and it withers and dies. I think sometimes we can be so stuck in our own ways that we don't want to hear from God when we don't allow God to move in our life. So we wanted just to take a few moments here and just reflect upon this truth, reflect upon what God might be teaching you right now.
If Jesus is the vine and you are the branch, what is God pruning in you right now so you can bear fruit?